You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I had a nap. That's a good thing uh, for a person you know, our age. Yeah, no, I had a... Um, I think, I, you know, in this pandemic, I use these uh, nitrile gloves, and I, I've come to use them for everything. Uh, I run through like a box a day, and I think I've become allergic to them. <laughs> so my like hands are breaking out with like red sores and crap. So I meant to warn you about that. So you wear these gloves like around the house when there's nobody else there? Well, uh, yeah, for dealing with unpleasant tasks like i mean we don't have to, i don't want to get personal we we should we should be careful well like i live in this 50s house and there's a little bit of maybe asbestos in the ceiling up there you know oh thank one you of for those, showing us that one of those cottage cheese ceilings yep yep could be you don't want to mess with that crap and nothing protects a man's lungs like gloves i've always found but <laughs> well you don't want it, when you pick it up you don't want to get it on your hands you know so You're right, anyway because then you could lick them um, tell me, or, or snort them, or snort your hands. That, that's how that's how people get into trouble with asbestos, classically. What What does your hat say? That's like a, 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 a you're wearing a baseball cap type thing. What does it say? That's because my hair situation is out of control. It just says La Posada. It's a oh. hotel in Winslow, Arizona, made famous by Jackson Brown. Wait, uh, wait, no, the, and stand, the Eagles. Standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona? It's co-written by Jackson Brown. Okay. It was an Eagles song. Anyway, it's a Fred Harvey Hotel right by the railroad tracks. Very interesting hotel because mm-hmm. uh, the trains are like right there, 15 feet away from your bedroom. But um, it was 115 degrees, Bob, so I didn't really do much Yeah, too but much it's, not, it's not the heat. It's the humidity, Mickey. You there was no this. humidity. It was the heat. That's my point. No, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't unpleasant. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. Um, so... What's going on in this crazy old world? You know, I had expected the intensity to drop off considerably after Trump left Washington. And I guess it kind of has, but things are still happening. A lot of stuff is happening. You think Marjorie Green is a substitute for Trump? I don't. She's the doing Denver, her damnedest. The, she's the media doing her best. Is, she's not doing anything. The media is hyping her up as the face of the Republican Party. Uh, uh, and, you know, I I could care less if she's on a committee. It's completely unimportant if she's on a committee. They're trying to make it as if the Republican Party is the party of QAnon. It's a totally hyped up issue. You know, uh, I think you know why I think you should be paying more attention to her because I think she may have the solution to your branding problem. You know, I mean, as I've said, I thought you should have taken the opportunity of January sixth to say you've rethought everything. You're no longer a Trump supporter. Solve your branding problem. You didn't, but what you could say I'd, is I'd solved my branding problem months earlier when I argued that they should dump Trump from the ticket. But you voted for him. Well, yeah, I only had two choices. So you still have a branding problem because he's he's a villain. Anyway, uh, what you should say is what she said. Quote, I was allowed to believe things that weren't true. Say that. That you, <laughs> you were allowed to believe I, things... I've, I I voted for Trump because I thought the Democrats would take the Senate and the result would be a rush on the border uh, that couldn't be controlled. And so far, that's exactly what's happened. Clearly, so it's clearly. Hard to, it's, hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's uh, hard for me to completely say 
I was wrong. Okay. I thought the Democrats would have like a four or five seat advantage and do much more damaging things. So they, I like, I was wrong about that. But you know, the basic fear is in fact coming to pass. Biden has lost control of the border with startling rapidity. It's like everybody was talking about how oh he's going to keep a lid on the border while he gradually pursues his immigration, uh, you know, loosening. Uh, he's got to keep the pandemic uh, restrictions in place, which he did. Mm -hmm. uh, while getting rid of the Remain in Mexico initiative, which worked, which he did. He got rid of it. But that didn't count on the fact that Mexico would stop taking his pandemic releases if they're women and children. So the women and children are coming here. Mexico's not taking them back because their shelters are full and they're backing up and it's recreating the whole crowded thing with the kids in cages and the, you know, it's it, not quite the kids in cages yet, but Basically, the, the, the same overcrowding. So he's releasing them into the country. People have cell phones. They call back to Central America saying, hey, we got in. They're releasing them into the country. More people come. The result is a, 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 a you know a reinforcing cycle. Uh, and uh, and he's lost control already. Eight days into his presidency. Uh, I, I have an so, immigration related question. Did I commit a tactical blunder by bringing up this branding question because it gave you an excuse to go on an immigration jag? Or is it the case instead that all conversational roads would have led you to immigration? I think it's the Is letter. there anything I could have done to stop this? There's nothing you could have done, but I got it out of the way quickly, Bob. Yeah, you did. It's, it's you know, it's, so, it's so, efficiently taken care of. So why don't you make a prediction as to when this thing that you just described, the disaster, which is currently under the radar for many of our viewers and listeners, will become so evident that they can't miss it. Like, this will be in the headlines. Within the month. Within the month. Okay, so yeah, that's... Yeah, they're going to try to ignore it and talk about Marjorie Green and reconciliation and... Marjorie you know, Taylor uh, Green, please. She's no ordinary... Marjorie, Mar there are many Marjorie, Marjorie Greens. Taylor There's Green, only one okay. Marjorie Taylor Green. Uh, and there'll be an impeachment trial, so there'll be... It'll, you know, but it, but it, 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 it's not going to stop. So, uh, you know, it'll, it'll creep into the news and, 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 uh, it'll damage Biden in the polls. I think it's already damaging Biden in the polls. He's not doing that great in the polls. No, you would think coming in after vanquishing the villain Trump, he would have like a 70, 80% approval rating. Instead, he has like 50 something. I think it, in the near term, at least, he has kind of an ace in the hole, which is that the pandemic is going to get better. I mean, if you look at the curves, you know, there have been three peaks, right? There was a peak last spring, then it subsided, then a worse peak in the summer, and then we hit the worst peak of all in the fall. And if you look at the rate of decline of hospitalizations and also just testing positive, both of the, the the slopes of those declines are much steeper with this third curve, this third peak, than they were with the first. I mean, they are really headed down. And so but, deaths right now are plateauing. But I got to think they're going to drop sharply. And then it's just a question of whether it's like a race between the vaccine and these the new, more transmissible variants that that may uh, may become a significant but, factor. Uh, but in the near term, I, I think there's going to I think for the next month, I think like three weeks from now. People are going to be going, wow, this is so much better. You can see everything's getting better. Do they do they know why it's dropping? I, I, that's a, that's sort of a mystery, isn't it? Is it is it actually the result of herd immunity? Is it uh, the result of like, uh, you know, 
you know, the, the, the panic about masking and distancing? Is it is it just a Christmas surge that is petering out? So it's actually going to go back to a pretty high level? Uh, well, uh, I think there's got to be some element of herd immunity. I mean, the, you know, the estimates are that anywhere that, that I think 100 million people having had the infection is like a mainstream estimate. And and that's got to have an effect on transmissibility, yeah. See, assuming they have some immunity. There, there was this one expert, Eric Feigl, ding, dung, whatever it whatever his name is. Sounds he, plausible. He, he, he says this new variant is, is actually going to cause a second huge, horrible spike. And it's mm. as if it was as if it's a different disease. Uh, you mean the South African variant? I don't know which variant he was talking about. Because that uh, one, my, you know, the, 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 all the vaccines are somewhat effective about that uh, against that. That's why I say, you know, we need to get in gear in the vaccines. Th- that is, is the single most important thing probably for yeah. Biden to pay attention to right it, now as a political matter. It is. I agree. It, it it seems more important than the COVID relief bill, although the COVID relief bill is important for political reasons. He wants to get rid of the filibuster and the add-ons to the COVID relief bill are very important to Democrats, like the $15 an hour minimum wage and perhaps immigration amnesty. But, oh, I brought that up again. I'm sorry. I think we've covered that. Uh, I don't think so. We got more to go. Well, but, we've um, got a lot of time. Why don't we uh, but, but, uh, give some of us a break? It's it's now um, it, it's now that my friends are saying calling me up and saying have you been vaccinated? Everybody I know over sixty five has been vaccinated, uh, and sure enough, I finally I finally clicked on the link that I thought would be completely unhelpful uh, that's supposed to hook me up with vaccine appointments, and you can hook up for vaccine appointments. They're they're sort of hard to get, and it's the Moderna vaccine instead of the Pfizer vaccine. Do I care? Uh, but okay. Thank you. If J and J is one of them, you care, but Pfizer versus Moderna, I don't know. That's not so good. Well, the efficacy rate is lower. On the other hand, you only need one shot. Yeah. No, it's just that I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about the efficacy. I'm worried about the long term. I'm I'm worried about the messenger RNA having some long term. Well, Johnson Johnson is different. Johnson Johnson, yeah. I think, is more old fashioned. I think it's a re-engineered cold virus. Well, that's why I might prefer the Johnson and Johnson. That's my yeah. point. Cold. So anyway, yeah. if people are being vaccinated, ten percent of California has been vaccinated. That means of the over sixty fives, you know, probably thirty percent have been vaccinated. So it's it's getting there. Yeah, I think that's but, figuring into this. The is starting to figure into the stats as well. That's why I say, but it should figure into the death stats, and it's not. Well, no, I mean, they, they, they are, you know, they're, they're headed slight. They seem to be, I will, in fact, uh, this week for the first time in about a month, the seven day rolling average of deaths per day went under 3000. That was a first time thing. I think it was yesterday or something. And so they are, they're getting better. I think they're going to start. I think those numbers are going to start getting a lot better. I mean, the, there hasn't been much time for the vaccines to make a difference, but you're right. They've gone to the people most likely to die by and large, so should make a difference. Um, the uh, the COVID relief bill, I have a question about kind of the politics of. Yeah. I mean, one question is why do the Republicans want to be known as the people who wanted to give you less money? Um, well, they, they won't be. Well, that's what they wanted. They'll, they'll lose, but the, but their position was that they wanted to give you less money. But Ryan's um, 
Ryan Lewis's theory is that they'll all jump on at the end, or a lot of them will jump on at the end. And that could happen. Maybe. The other funny thing is is the way um I mean there was a kind of there's a kind of reversal here because you had you had um you had Biden um I mean there's a tension, Chris Hayes noted this, there's a tension between the kind of the left and the kind of left just left of center of the Democratic Party in that the left is wants universal benefits. Like, you know, this this whole issue about how what is the income cutoff for the whatever it is, twelve hundred, fourteen hundred dollars. Um and now you've got kind of the far left behind the universal version of it, which is just kind of funny because that includes a lot of rich people. I mean I mean, in other words, you've got you got you got the centrists supporting something that is in effect redistributionist kind of right. It's like well, that was always a debate. I have a chapter on that in my book, which came out in 1992. Uh, the, 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 the Bob Kuttner, it's not the way left position, has always been the universal benefits are better because, A, they're politically more stable. Uh, you know, poor programs for the poor are poor programs. If you give benefits to the rich, you'll have a, a wider political base, Social Security being the obvious example there. And, and B, uh, uh, the argument that somehow it's more, uh, it's less stigmatizing and it, it, it'll, it, yeah. if you know, the poor are part of a universal program and it sort of it even increases solidarity knowing that you get the same check that a rich person gets and we're all in this together. And I admit there's a little bit of truth to that. And, um, you know, uh, also some, there's maybe some argument that it, uh, decreases the, anti-work effects if the cutoff yeah, I mean, date is at least way high up the income ladder. I'm not sure those things are so important with a transient benefit like this as opposed to an enduring program. But the, I mean, I just think it's kind of ironic that as I understand it, the Republicans are saying, no, don't give benefits to rich people, right? I mean, that's the argument between Biden uh, and and the Republicans too. I mean, are the Republicans and socialists both together saying, let's get, let's, um, Wait, how does it work? No, they're the, no the Republicans are 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 saying don't give benefits to rich people, right? Right, and there, and there are some people on the left, like Robert Greenstein of the, who's a very was a is a very influential liberal, who are also for targeting or they're also for cutting the benefits of the rich people. But they're a minority on the left. The left is generally for universal benefits. Yeah, uh, it's perverse. Well, it, it one is, of the many perversities of our politics. It is perverse. I mean, the Republican position seems especially perverse to me when you compare it to how they feel about tax cuts, which is give all, give most of the benefits to rich people. I mean, again, this but, is this is just not a big deal to rich people. That's part of the, the explanation, as opposed to an enduring two percent tax, two percentage point tax cut or something. But why is um, it more perverse for the left than it is for the right? I mean, well, there are different kinds. Yeah, there, there, there are. It, that's or what I said. Least, that's what I perverse, said. It's ironic that the socialists are not in favor. I think of socialists wanting to take money from rich people and give it to poor people. And in this case, that's not what they're saying. It's the centrist Democrats who are more inclined to say that. That's what I'm saying. That's ironic. It's also ironic that the Republicans uh, are more likely to uh, to say it. That's right. what I'm saying. Those are two ironies that I bring you. But, it's but a double irony. It's a yes. double irony. Having established that, we can move on. Um, so, anyways, it, it's going to happen through reconciliation. 
And 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 they're, I think so. And you can't blame the Democrats. They it's a winning issue, and if they want to ram it through on reconciliation, uh, you you know, they, Biden probably recognizes that he has a narrow window. All presidents do at the beginning of the term to get anything done, and he should seize the moment. the The question for the is is what about the add-ons? I mean, I think it's more important for the Democrats for the add-ons that don't have to do with COVID. Uh, the most obvious add-on is the $15 minimum wage. Uh, people think they might get that. You know, the reconciliation has all these weird rules. Uh, it has to be related to the budget and not incidentally. It can't add to the deficit after 10 years. So it's, it's really usually bad for cultural issues and bad for a lot of issues. But you can cram a lot through. They cram welfare reform through under reconciliation. So, um, uh, and, and, and the, the left is still sort of fixated on getting rid of the filibuster. But there's this other route, which is reconciliation. If you, if you say that anything can qualify for reconciliation, then who needs to get rid of the filibuster, right? Well, some so, things don't. Some things uh, don't. DC well, statehood, no. would, DC statehood no. would never qualify for reconciliation. No, that's not true. They can overrule the parliamentarian by a majority vote. They can, by majority vote, say, Anything qualifies for reconciliation, and then the filibuster might as well not exist, uh, except that they can only do reconciliation like two times a year. But wouldn't that be so, a dangerous violation of norms? Getting rid of the filibuster is a dangerous violation of norms. It's it's a nuclear option. <clears throat> no, that's a, uh, that's a changing of the rules. Uh, to, the, the norm violation consists in using a rule that's normally not used, which you're saying the Democrats could do here. Overrule the parliamentarian. It's, it, it's changing. It's changing the, well, you know, at at some at some point they have to create the reconciliation rules, so they, they they're changing it. So what? Um, there's, there's no way they're going to do DC statehood without it without changing the filibuster. I predict. And you know, and and there are two other big things waiting in the wings to be added on to reconciliation. One is Mitt Romney's. Uh, big child allowance plan, which would basically recreate the welfare system. Bob, everything I fought for all my life is in peril. Welfare reform and uh, immigration control. They're both on the line. Uh, and so Romney's bill would eliminate the welfare program, actually, TANF, the successor to AFDC, and substitute a child allowance uh, of up to I think it's $12,000 a year, $15,000 a year. Uh, and, and you don't is, have to, you don't have to work. There are no strings. You don't have to work to get this. This is this like, this is if not you have me a kid, with your approval. I don't think so. Cause, cause it, uh, it means you can not work and get $15,000 a year, depending on the number of kids you have. And, you, uh, the, the getting rid of the culture of non-work among mothers with mm-hmm. welfare was the whole point of welfare reform. Did you see a Twitter thread by Matt Iglesias on this subject? No, I did not. I thought he was saying AFDC had been bad in terms of incentives, but maybe he was saying this would not be so bad in terms of incentives. But I don't know. I, That's I, the I sort of thing right. he would say. Okay. <laughs> maybe uh, he because did. Uh, AFDC had all sorts of rules that seemed to prohibit uh, living with a partner, uh, initially at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a so-called man in the house rule where if they raided your house and found a man there, they would cut you off. 
So that was a ridiculous, perverse uh, incentive not to not to have a two parent household. Uh, but um, uh, and maybe the income income cutoffs on this are you know every time anytime you cut back the benefit as you get richer, you have a high marginal tax rate. I don't think it's that important. People, other these policy wants think it's so so fucking important. So the uh, the uh, cutoff for AFDC was probably a lot lower than Mitt Romney's cutoff. So uh, it created a work disincentive, probably lower down on the income level, which is where the people are. So uh, okay, that may be what Matt meant. I, I I'm I'm sort of with Charles Murray. I think the problem is not marginal incentives. Is it's Enabling is it whatever the marginal incentives are? Uh, can you survive without working on government benefits on the dole? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you combine this with food stamps, uh, I think you can. And the result is a culture of non-work. Now, maybe with the guaranteed income, we're all going to be in a culture of non-work uh, until this, you know, parrot room money started pouring in. I was in a Culture you know, of non-work. Culture of non-work, too, yeah. But so. the parrot room is work. The parrot room is serious work, which is why people should go to patreon.com slash parrot room <laughs> and sign up to reward but, work, to reward the thing that made America great. But they, anyway, so, yeah. I, well, I just want to say it's a fundamental choice. They can either choose to incentivize the thing that made America great, or they cannot. They can just turn the page. They can look away as if this country's not in trouble. Right, Mickey? Right, and let Mickey loll around in his culture of dependency. Exactly. Um, and you know what could happen then. Um, the, uh, so, um, so anyway, they might want to add Mitt Romney's new welfare program disguised as a child allowance to, uh, to their reconciliation bill. And it's sort of budget related. And if they could put welfare reform through on, on reconciliation, why can't they put Mitt Romney's through? They can if Joe Manchin, you know, if the parliamentarian agrees, they can. And if Joe Manchin agrees to vote for it, they can. Now, wait, is this so, tucked into the is this tucked into the COVID bill? All this? There is a Biden has a one year uh, child allowance in his COVID bill. Mm-hmm. Romney's is a is a permanent one, mm-hmm. although to be uh, to be permanent, it has to be paid for. So then there have to be cuts to it. Now, so, now what about minimum uh, wage? That's in the bill. And, and Joe Manchin doesn't want a $15 minimum wage. He says like 11 or 12 would be more like Well, fine. Wage. That would be a big achievement for the Democrats. They'll, so they'll get an 11 or 12. Uh, that, that, I'm not you sure know, everyone will respond that way, but... Uh, it's $7 and some change now, Bob. Well, yeah, I mean, but but most most workers are well above that threshold now, I think. Well, sure, most of workers are always above the minimum wage. Right. But if but, you're making nine, ten bucks, um, uh, you know, if you're above the threshold, you're at nine, ten bucks. There's a big difference between going to 15 and going to 11 or 12. Well, baby steps. Not all not all parts of the country are ready to go to 15. <laughs> yeah, uh, see, I, now, that they, you, now that you got the, that parrot room level income, you no longer sympathize with the working people who, who made America great. I'm for raising the minimum wage, Bob. Barely by ba- uh, by as you put it, barely baby twelve dollars, twelve dollars. That's, that's a big jump from nine. Seven not, and a half in, cents in doesn't terms, mean a hell of a lot. Seven and a half cents doesn't mean a thing. But give it to me every hour, every day, and every week, and I'll be living like a king. I may not have, I may not have got all those lyrics right. That's okay. And the main thing was that you finally stopped. What were you just singing, Mickey? <laughs> I was singing the song Seven and a Half Cents from the Pajama Game. And what 
a musical about labor organizing, I think. Oh. In a well, I want to thank factor. you on behalf of all the viewers and listeners who are still with us uh, for sharing that. <laughs> hey, I didn't play my guitar and you previously wanted me to sing. That's parrot. That's the parrot room. Parrot room crazy shit happens. Man. Oh, it's like reconciliation. You can only do some things in here, some things in the parrot room. This is getting way too complicated. I will say that there is no filibuster in the parrot room. And that's one that's one reason people pay the big and, bucks. And the other thing they might add to the bill is an amnesty for five million or plus essential workers. They'll make it as big as they can. So oh. the big the, the add-ons are the important thing with reconciliation, not the, not the actual COVID relief bill. Okay. I and people don't think they're gonna get that, but why not? I mean, as long as they're overruling the parliamentarian or the parliamentarian's on their side. They can go for whatever they want. And Joe Manchin has to be able to vote for it. And Kristen Cinema. Yeah. So is I'm it Cinema or Cinema? What's her name? And who is this? Cinema. Why have I never heard of her until she's now? A, you, you sure it's Cinema? Because you haven't been cinema? paying attention. She's I initially hated her yeah. because she shows a lot of skin and she clearly thinks she's really hot. She's a bisexual triathlete, okay? Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. You so, hated her because she, she wears revealing clothes? Well, she just seemed full of herself. Physically, she seemed like, I am so hot and sexy that I can get away with wearing spandex where any other politician has to wear a suit, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, but she's terrific. She is the most conservative Democrat. She has her head screwed on. I love her now. So um, especially on immigration, but on other issues. She just seems totally – she's the one who beat so Martha wait, McSally. The so these are the kinds of factors that go into the formula that determines how attracted you are to a woman, her position on immigration, and and skin actually works against her? Do I have this right? Yes, correct. Okay. Um, Whatever. And don't get me going about comparable worth. I mean, if a woman's right on comparable worth, <laughs> hey, I mean, geez. Hey, this uh, is a family show. Family show, Mickey. Back. Whoa, whoa. Hold me back. Whoa, whoa. Down okay. boy. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, she's, um, you know, she's well, how do you candidate feel about, for president. How do you feel about AOC? And have you seen her Instagram video about how imperiled she was? I haven't. I give her. Actually, it's not about a, how imperiled she was. It's about how imperiled she thought she was. But anyway. I, a, AOC is a formidable force. She's a star. I tend to think she's a breath of fresh air. It doesn't bother me, even though she's way to the left and probably lies up and down you know i get didn't hold it against trump so i'm not going to hold it against her and you're entitled to be scared if a mob invades the capitol so th that doesn't bother me either has this so. has this instagram thing become a big deal i can't tell because i yes. think it has it isn't but just the bannon podcast i don't want to see about. somebody sobbing about how they're scared but actually it, that's not the part where deal. she sobbed the part okay. where she sobbed was where she said that I mean, strictly speaking, the sobbing was, I think, caused by something different. It, it was, she says, you know, and at that moment, I feared for my life. And she said, but I'm a very spiritual person. And I thought, well, if this is where it's supposed to end, it's supposed to end. And then she addresses her followers and says, but I knew it would be okay if I've done what I came here to do. I know that you can take it from here. And it was around that time that she kind of wiped her eyes, I think. And uh, it was very effective, but it, it's it's an odd thing because, you know, I mean, it's funny. She's gotten into trouble. I don't think she misleads. 
I don't think she says anything that's not true in the course of it. It's just odd that she goes through all this and describes this man she could hear yelling, where is she, where is she, where is she? And then it turns out he's just a cop who's there to escort her somewhere else. That's the whole punchline. <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, she's not in the Capitol building when this is happening. She's in her office in a different building. I thought she was in a colleague's office. Well, I think she's she was a- actually in a bathroom. But the point is, she wasn't in the Capitol building. <laughs> okay. I think um, she was in her office's Cannon. bathroom or something. So okay, she was in one of the house office buildings, which is a long tunnel away from the Capitol. Well, this is the criticism is that she's turning this into a bigger deal than she honestly felt that it was at the but, time. That's the criticism. But I cut her some slack. There's thousands of people invading the Capitol across the street. Maybe right. they also decide to invade the Cannon office building. So I agree. I, I, this is just the uh, this is just the indictment of her. Okay. No, I don't mind. I I I I. She seems smart. You can argue with her. Uh. She has a lot of crazy left positions, and uh, but she doesn't set off my hackles in any way. But Mickey, can I say something to you? The way Katie Porter does. Can I just say one thing to you? If my time should come, and by the way, we may talk about my comorbidity in the parrot room, but should boy, there's something to look forward to. Should my time come, I know that you can take it from here. (laughs) Um, I have no empathy, Bob. Cognitive or otherwise. Cognitive or otherwise, and I'm, as you will discover in the parrot room, far from mindful. I know. You, I know you got some. You, you got some. You're going to confront me with something in the parrot room, right? This today, two, two right after this, you, it, it's something that a commenter, a parrot room commenter, said, and you're going to throw it in my face. Am I right? Correct. Now let me just say something, Mickey. <laughs> I cannot promise that this week's parrot room will have the same level of intensity as last week's because frankly I think if we if we if we carried it up to that level again it would threaten the very fabric of the parrot room that's how intense it was am I right it was intense I thought it was two weeks ago that it was so intense last week it was Virginia Heffernan's list no of no last list. week was the week when I uh I I gave you my whole I told you so speech it yeah. got it got it got intense. It People's, may not get that intense this time. I just want to be clear, but it could. Um, people, people said uh, said it was intense. They did. I, I, I have no memory of it at all. But if you say so, no. You the, know what? Um, you know what hurt me. You know what hurt me is the commenter, who, the parrot room commenter, who said, "Uh, whoa, Bob. If you, you know, something like, if you want to know what happened, uh, you should look up the pro wrestling term." Heel turn, because he said I had done a heel turn, and at first I thought that was like a compliment, but you know what it is? No. It, it's when the good guy becomes the villain. So he was saying uh. that I had been so hard on you that now I think now I look like the bad guy, which I don't want. I don't want to be quite that hard on you. I'm counting on that. Uh, so uh, there, there's all this press about how Biden is – gone left and is, you know, been way left and he's sucking up to the left and this is a radical left administration unlike what we were expecting from moderate Joe Biden. I His leftism doesn't impress me. I mean, he's been he went left on transgender athletes and uh, you know, but it remains to be seen how left he's going to go on 
uh, on policy, big policy. And if $15 a minimum wage isn't that far left either. I agree. Uh, the, the Romney's thing is the, the Romney replacing welfare with an old style, you don't have to work welfare program. That's a big deal. So Mitt uh, Romney is the great socialist threat then, not Joe Biden. Well, if Biden embraces, you know, Romney, Romney, I, I guess he's doing some image repositioning too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's come up with this sort of thing before. But after running against the 47%, he now wants to heap more benefits on the 47%. <laughs> so um, uh, that guy's mine, man. He must be a massive psychosis. Um, Romney? He has this placid exterior and he seems to know what he's talking about. But deep down, man, the revenge factor with Trump, I mean... Well, you'd be kind of annoyed, too. Although he did walk into the trap. I mean, he was so naive, you know, to agree when Trump was just elected. And Trump says, I'd love to come down and talk to you about you being secretary of state. And Romney naively thinks it could actually happen, goes and agrees to have dinner with him. And then Trump arranges, I suspect, for a photographer to capture a supposedly private dinner and and then show, you know, Romney having come to the throne to suck up to him. I'd be pissed. I mean, plus Trump's, you know, Trump's worthy of, of intense dislike. And Trump succeeded where Romney failed. In the he sense the of election. becoming president? Yes. Correct. Yes, that is that is a difference. But also, I mean, look, usually I, I think I think Romney is right on principle. Uh, you know, when his the various things he's done in opposition to Trump, you can you can attribute them to revenge. But I'm you usually on his you side. You think the Ukraine phone call was impeachable? I think the current strictly impeachment... speaking, yes, I didn't think I didn't think impeachment was a good idea, and I didn't like the way they framed it as being all about our our Cold War policy against Russia. That wasn't the point. It was a, it was a more abstract point that I thought uh, was impeachable, but I, I didn't think it was a good idea. I think this time the impeachment is more clearly warranted and still probably not a good idea. Right? Uh, did you see that Mike Kinsley wrote a piece saying impeachment is not a good idea? I linked to it. Um... I, I had one problem with with it. It was very well written. Uh, uh, it basically said that impeach uh, continuing with this impeachment is a bad idea. It's vindictive. Uh, Kinsley thinks Trump is through anyway, and there is evidence to back that up. I think he's fading quite rapidly. But I agree with uh, you that the judgment is uh, premature. But but the 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 thing Kinsley. I, I saw the speech. I, I read the speech he gave on the ellipse and said, this is an incitement. This is just an, an ordinary speech about fighting and going and protesting. And if you can, the, the real impeachable thing is his failure to act when they started sacking the Capitol. I would go, I would go further, but go and, ahead. And, and, but maybe it was incitement if he really knew what was going to happen. So you have to have an investigation to find that out. The Democrats aren't doing that. But Kinsley's point is, how could you incise something that had been pre-planned for weeks? And my, I think you can if you know about it. If you knew that the, the, the yeah, you people can. were going to sack the Capitol and you and you gave a speech saying, rah, rah, go ahead, sack the Capitol, that would still be incitement and impeachable. You well, didn't plus, say rah, rah, sack the Capitol, though. Well, uh, anyway, if you look at the, the, the way the bill of impeachment is written up, it, it is broad enough, I think, uh, to cover, uh, the months in between the election and the, um, and January 6th as a period during which Trump was 
through misinformation and other means, riling people up. I want more than misinformation. I want phone call. I want emails from people who are going to sack the Capitol or he, he has to know that they are going to commit violence. Well, I want misinformation partly because, as I've said before, I think the only way this impeachment trial becomes a good idea from the Democrats' point of view is if they actually use it to convince some people who don't now believe this that Trump has said a number of things about the election that are flatly untrue. And I think one question is, maybe probably there are people who already know the answer, but are they going to bring actual expert witnesses who can credibly say this thing that Trump said is obviously untrue for these reasons? I mean, if they can, if they can nail down several things Trump kept saying and create, you know, like social media friendly refutations, um, I think that then, then that could justify the exercise if, and I admit it's a long shot, if they could, if they, if these things could convince an appreciable think, number of people who don't already believe I, that Trump is, is I think there's, lying. N- there's no way that that succeeds. I don't think they're going to try it, but there, there's no, there, there, I, I finally went and read, uh, uh, I went and listened to Ann Applebaum's conversation with, uh, Danielle Crittenden on her, their podcast, Femsplainers, and Applebaum also wrote an article for The Atlantic on how to appeal to crazy QAnoners, which isn't quite mm-hmm. congruent with. No, people. I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about right. them. But, but, but she would, crazy people, well, let's say crazy people who don't, who think the election was stolen. Okay. And she has some good ideas, but one of the ideas that is not good is she wants credible figures to convince them that they're wrong. And the credible figures were Lynn Cheney and Ben Sass. And, you know, no people who have no credibility with the people well, that who just believe shows the election that she's was out stolen. Of touch. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying get Lynn but Cheney there are up no there. Figure, there are no figures who are, imp- who are powerful enough to convince the people who think the election was stolen who uh, don't think, think the election was stolen. No, I'm not. I'm talking about people nobody's <laughs> ever heard of. OK, people who have credentials. As it happens, they're Republicans and they just come off well on TV and they have the goods. That's what I'm talking about. It's a long shot. But I'm certainly not talking about getting Lynn Cheney up there and, and Mitt Romney up there. They have the goods in what sense? They, they, they can show you the internals of the Dominion voting system. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's a hard case to make. Okay. I mean, I think it's, I don't think the election was stolen. No, well, but like it takes when Trump, a long time. When, when Trump, when Trump says, uh, you know, this many dead people voted in this state or this many of that or this many of that. And you can come and show, well, here's where he got this number. And here is why you can obviously see it's wrong. I mean, that kind of thing. Because he, he has repeated a billion. And in fact, he repeated a number of these on the ellipse that day. But I want to, oh, I also want to. hundreds s- of them, but, but yeah. that's what, that's the point. Yeah. It would take an hour. It would take, you know, an hour and a half They've to They've got through. several that's, days. You're that's looking. That's not social media friendly. You, you, well, yeah, you, that, that comes in the editing. But let me, let me um, also say. Uh, I agree dereliction of duty is part of it, failing to stop it. But there's also another moment. The clearest moment of incitement is, as I've said time and again, when the people are in the Capitol building and Trump knows it because he's watching cable TV and he tweets that Mike Pence has abandoned his country and his constitution. That is incitement. And they should cast it that way. And it's completely clear cut. Now, again... It, it, I, I, think I, I agree that that's impeachable and it's bad. I don't think it's completely clear cut. It's eighty percent clear cut. It's, in, it's, it's incitement for impeachment 
purposes. You know, it's I, incredibly it, bad behavior, and it should be impeachable. It, it, yes. It's mind blowing. It's completely mind blowing. It's the single most mind blowing thing, probably, that he did in between then and the election, and he did a lot of crazy shit. Other people have noticed this. I was among first. the first, as you will agree. You, you were will. first. You were first in my universe. But um, yes, I agree with that. But I, I, uh, then. But the question is, he's been impeached. Now, is there? Is it really worth it having this trial? Uh, my my suggestion was have an investigation, find out how many links there were between him and the people who attacked the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Find out what's on his email, who talked to him, what did he know, when did he know it, and you can impeach him in six months if you want. Let me you impeach let me, him in a year if you want. He's out of office. You might you have all the time in the world. Let me just say two more things about social media clips. Like I hope they will use video because they should replay what was going on on CNN leading up to that tweet and then put it on the screen at the moment that he tweets it. That is vivid. I haven't seen anybody do that. The other thing I would say is, you know, a huge item for for people who believe the election was stolen is the State Farm Arena thing in, in Georgia where they say, well, you had these ballots under the table. I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure there is a way of creating a very short video, taking you the video they showed you, that Trump showed you, and then saying, here's what they didn't show you. Okay, this was also on the tape, and they didn't show you this, and we have everything in between on tape, and we know that nothing untoward happened, and so on. I Nobody has tried to do I'm that. I'm not it's sure important. you can do that with that one. Well, nobody's tried. Nobody's tried. They, and they, they they take these ballots from boxes and run them through a machine, and there's no way to show on a video that those are real votes or, or fake no, votes. No, Mickey. Like, no, Mickey. The key, what, what they're arguing is they pulled these things out of nowhere. They were tucked under the table. Well, well show they were them tucked the, under the table. Fine. But listen, <laughs> show them the part of the video where how they got under the table in the full, in the presence of all the observers they took they they took the ballots out and did whatever you do and put them in the box so they'd be ready to go in the machine. They did that in the presence of everyone. And then when they thought they were going to close shop, they put them under the table. And they have footage covering all the time in between then and the time they took them back out from the table. These were processed in exactly the same way as all the other ballots. And you can show that you need a little narration and the video and it's possible. But well, nobody, that would help. what? That would help. Yeah. Why doesn't it ever happen? I think partly because we live in this universe where, I don't know, like party, the coherence of political parties has so broken down that everybody's just out there freelancing and AOC's doing her Instagram and Nancy Pelosi's getting revenge. And like, I'm just not aware of anybody thinking like, wait, wouldn't it be in the interest of the Democratic Party if we could convince just a few million people on the fence that the election wasn't stolen? Wouldn't that be good for the party? Who's doing that? I don't think anybody's doing it. It's 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 a failure of empathy, Bob. Well, but seriously, because, Mickey. I no, mean, what, I am being serious. Okay. They're not understanding what would convince somebody on the other side. They're repeating their own talking points to themselves and being very self-satisfied about it. That's, that's what happened in Ukraine, too. Uh, they repeated, you know, the all the the Vindman, you know, pro-Ukraine talking points and didn't think about if you weren't impressed by that, what might impress you? Uh, and if you're not impressed by this idea that mm. that uh, Trump's spread misinformation, what might think make you think 
that that you know he was uh, he committed impeachable offenses. Yeah. Uh, this phone call about Pence—that's a good one. Uh, so it, 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 it's somehow they're 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 convinced by their own rhetoric and not being skeptical. Right, they're convinced. They're, they're they're so used to depicting all Trump supporters as crazy, uh, and there's so much political mileage in that for some purposes. Uh, that they've lost sight of the fact that no, not all of them are. Maybe but that's I, it. But I think it's possible that Trump is fading anyway. I, I was he worried could he was... well be, but I agree with you that that's the part of Mike's piece, Mike Kinsley's piece, that I stopped and wondered about. Early on, he says, look, he's he's toast. He's going to be like Nick. We'll remember him like Nixon. And I think he may well be remembered that way, but he is not well, an assuredly spent political force the way Nixon was after he got on that helicopter. But uh, Barone argues that Republicans uh, don't do a Grover Cleveland. Once you've lost and you're disgraced, you don't do a comeback. Republicans move on. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. That wasn't the part of the piece, Kinsley's piece, I found unconvincing. What I found un- unconvincing was the point about if it's pre-planned, he can't have incited. Of course, I, I think you can. I, I agree. In principle, he could have. He could have been. You can always be um, the. You can always light the fuse that was prepared in advance. Yeah, and it, you know. Anyway, so, uh, but it was a good. It was a. It, it, uh, this is a personal note. Okay. Okay. I'm. I'm not a great writer. Uh, I had a great editor at Kinsley, and a great magazine to read in the New Republic that Kinsley edited. And uh, uh, unless I have a lot of Kinsley to read, I don't write well. I have to read him to sort of get get into the rhythms and the and so his his he, you know he hasn't written a lot lately, and that's been bad for Mickey. What about Mickey? So it's a, it was good to read something well written. Anyway, you could always go back and peruse his old TRB columns. I have his old TRB columns. I have his yeah. book, uh, uh, Curse of the Giant Muffins. Uh, which I do go back to, and and his his piece about Robert Strauss, one of the best columns he ever did, mm-hmm. I go back to all the time. But you know, you want you want new stuff too. I don't think anybody occupies the place he occupied uh, for a time. I mean, I think among a a certain a certain ideological sector and a certain maybe a certain stratum within that sector. I don't know, but but there was no column you looked forward to more every week than yeah. than Mike's. Yeah, Hitchens. Hitchens, you oh, don't look God. forward to because you don't agree with him. But he's a good enough writer that it, it is so insulting to Mike to even bring it, up the name Chris Hitchens in the same. I'm sentence. talking about Mickey. He's a good enough writer that if I read a Hitchens column, I'm going to write better than if I don't read a Hitchens. Oh, column. Oh, please! By the way, did you see that? Oh, speaking of Mickey and Hitchens, did you know that Steve Wasserman, who was one of, I don't know you know, a hundred people or so who occupied the post of editor of New Republic Books during the time it took you to finish your book for New Republic Books. Right. Do you remember this? I was one of them. Steve Wasserman one was them. one of them. I outlasted you, yeah. He apparently is, uh, was the agent for Hitchens and or the Hitchens estate or something. Anyway, Hitchens's widow and he are trying to prevent, as I understand it, the publication of a biography about Hitchens. Did you read this? Which is which is coarse and reductive. Coarse I don't know and what, reductive, right? Which is what does such that a, mean? Coarse and reductive to me is a perfect description of Chris Hitchens. I don't know. They are complaining. <laughs> they are complaining that the biography about Chris Hitchens is coarse and reductive. Well, Chris Hitchens was certainly coarse. I argue, not everyone does, that he was reductive. 
He what said, did he reduce to? He wrote some of the stupidest shit. Oh, I'm sorry. We're getting into parrot room territory. I will elaborate. I'm writing it down. I'm writing down. Hitchens. Hitchens. Course and reductive. Course and reductive. Oh, that's just the beginning of what I'm going to say. And and I'll recount. I will recount, I think, my encounter with him in Mexico. Oh, you've recounted that before. Have I? Yeah. In the parrot room? Maybe uh, time to maybe time yeah. to close the parrot room um, if I'm already starting to repeat myself. Um. I I could see you could write a bad biography of Hitchens. I don't see how you couldn't write one that was in some sense bad. I mean, um, so um, uh, I my main beef was that he didn't he didn't like Bill Clinton's efforts at welfare reform, right. and and he loved John Edwards. How was he on immigration? But he had I don't know what he said. He had the he he. He had the balls to say, Mickey, you were right about John Edwards, and to make other people apologize to me uh, when it turned out that I was right about Edwards. Well, it's kind of hard to deny. I mean, you had said that the, the guy had a love child, and it became publicly known that he had a love child, right? It's true that other people, when it became—no, I wasn't sure on the love child. I was sure that he was screwing around with, uh, you know, Riel Hunter. Uh, but um, uh, it's true— uh, but it, it, trust me, he was a mensch about it. Okay, I don't okay. want to give you. I don't want to give you the full. A lot details. of people liked him, so he must have had his menchy side. Uh, right. Um, anyway, let's see what else is going on. Smartmatic is, is suing Fox for two point something billion dollars. Okay. See, um, that's a good example. That's a good example, Mickey. Uh, Trump, no doubt, said some of the crazy shit Rudy Giuliani. Just, just simple factual things like owned by uh, Hugo Chavez or founded by Hugo Chavez. You know, the, the Smartmatic is the company that did the software that was used in some of the Dominion machines. Um, so many, so many plainly erroneous factual assertions. Um, uh, I say we take him to task. Now, good news on the foreign policy front along with some bad news, but Biden says he is going to end America's support for the Saudi military offensive in Yemen. It's about damn time. Started off with Barack Obama, I'm sorry to say, continued uh, with the enthusiastic support of Trump, I think. Um, This support for completely, completely uh, illicit, cruel, and ill-begotten military intervention. So that's good. Uh, I'm with you there. And, and and you know, Cheney stayed in her leadership position in the House. You must be happy about that. I'm kind of torn, but the Republican Civil War <laughs> thing is fascinating to me. I mean, you know, cause I'm torn because she's, a, uh, you know, in foreign policy at Neocon, but uh, I, the Republican Civil War is, is a really interesting thing. Now, the... the it, ma- the insurgents were disappointed by that vote. They didn't think they'd win it, but they thought they'd get more votes, right? I think that's right. The Matt uh, Gateses. Yes. Uh, well, pretty Gates was predicting victory. Um, uh, was I, he? Was he? I, I read some tweets that su- suggested that. Yes. Um. Uh. But um. Uh, I keep thinking back to the McGovern versus LBJ split. In the mm-hmm. Democratic Party, which is pretty fucking vicious. They, you know, they had beating people up in Grant Park. They had this horrible divided convention. The next convention, the McGovernites completely took over the party. 
and uh, and it was radically different. Uh, and yet the party survived. And could the same thing happen in the Republican Party? Somehow, it seems to me, uh, the the space between Cheney and uh, and the people that don't want endless wars is sort of insurmountable. And what is there to hold them together? Uh, we care about budget deficits. The other people don't care about budget deficits. We care about tax cuts. The the, the Trumpists don't care about tax cuts. Uh, we care about you know what what is what is the glue? They we want smaller government. The Trumpists don't care about smaller government. Uh, why should these people stay in the same party? Uh, why shouldn't the the Trumpists you know? go off on their own or kick the other people out and try to grab a bunch of Democratic votes to make it up, make up for it. Seems more Wait, rational. Why shouldn't the Trumpists do, do what, what, create their own party? Or, or, or kick the, kick the, kick the Cheneyites, kick the neocons and the never Trumpers yeah. out of the Republican well, party. That's what so, they it is, do. so it is their party. You know? I will, so, I will say this. I can report that Steve Bannon, uh, in his conversation with Matt Gates, uh, on his podcast, one of several this week, probably, but said, we don't want to start a third party. We want to control the Republican party. We're going to take it over. That's their position. And, 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 and it, because it's, it saves them from having to do yeah, a new, it's hard to invent a party. Anything. I guess it's hard right. to invent a party. The, you want the, you want the, uh, the infrastructure of the party. And uh, but but of course, if it goes right. either way, that's good news for the Democrats, right? If they if they if they expel a bunch of old fashioned Republicans or they start a third party, either way, the the Democrats benefit from Unless, the Civil War, right? Well, well, Rich Lowry had a column saying the it's crazy to start a new party and split the Republican Party. Uh, you'll lose if you do, but that ignores the fact that there's also the possibility of grabbing some Democrats. Uh, you know, if, if, if suburbanites, moderate suburbanites are the key swing vote, a, you know, if you phrase it right, a, 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 even a Steve Bannon party has a chance to win some of them over. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's more that are gettable, I think. So, uh, uh it, it's, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily a loser, certainly not over two cycles. Well, it, it also, it, it depends it would on. Would tend to be a loser over one cycle. It also depends on, is it, is this third party more of a left-wing populism or right-wing populism? I think that remains to be determined. Steve Bannon claims he wanted to actually increase taxes on rich people in the Trump administration. Trump administration went the other way. And, you know, uh, that, that's a big question. But, um, you, you know, this is not totally unrelated to the point I brought up about what seemed ironic to me that the Republicans on the... Uh, COVID relief bill were kind of favoring what was in some ways a redistributionist policy. In other words, re, you know, lowering the income level below which people got the benefit. I, I think I, I kind of wondered if that was not partly in response to the changing constituency of the party, right? I mean, they've got, they've got more low income people and they've got fewer, you know, country club Republicans to please. No, um, I think it was a, it was a vestigial statement of, Concerned with the deficit and with fiscal, yeah I, yeah, I wondered about that, but but I don't know. There's no political logic behind that. It would be literally vestigial. Um, so, and I tend to discount things that aren't political in terms of explaining politicians' behavior. But well, I think I, they're going to milk it for all. They're going to milk it for all the you know we we were we were, tar- we're focused on the poor, uh, etc. 
for all it's worth, but but I think that the impulse was not. I don't think they were smart enough to say, "Hey, we're the party of the working class now, so let's give money to the working class." Um, my check finally arrived, Bob. Which check? My stimul my the last stimulus check. Not oh, the congratulations. next one. Thank you. It's, it was hard work. I had to take it all the way to the bank. It was a good day's work. It was an actual physical check. Yes. Oh. Um, oh, by I the way. It, I got it before I threw it out. So I was very I said proud something, of myself. I said something that was wrong last time. And I should correct it. I mean, I, I acknowledge that I wasn't sure it was the case. But it was about the uh, Abraham Accords and what the Trump administration did to pay off various Arab countries uh, to sign on. And I had said I thought that Sudan, that the Trump administration recognized some uh, some, some claim by Sudan to territory that wasn't theirs. Uh, but actually that was Morocco. It's, it's Western Sahara that I think Morocco claims sovereignty over that seems to violate international law. And Trump signed on to that. With Sudan, it was different. They agreed to let them off of the, uh, the terrorist sponsoring countries list. So there's that mistake. Um, and then on the vaccination you, thing. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to bring up the vaccination thing. So okay. Go ahead. Well, I think if somebody probably complained in the comments, you know, I had said that basically uh, Israelis living in the settlements on the West Bank are getting all these vaccinations. Palestinians living in the West Bank aren't. Uh, somebody in the comments said, well, yeah, it's the responsibility of the Palestinian Authority. Well, obviously, I mean, that, that's what the Israeli government has been pointing to, saying, we, you know, you are, you take care of health matters and blah, blah, blah. Right. But the whole point is because they don't have the powers of a state. And, and in fact, they have few powers of any kind at this point. They just can't compete in the global, you know, contest for vaccinations. And it just to me is, uh, you know, uh, kind of scandalous that, you know, the Palestinians are ultimately ruled by the Israelis. The, the fate of the Palestinians is the Israelis' responsibility under international law so long as they are an occupying force and they've been doing nothing. Now, I will say that just this week, uh, they have decided to give 5,000 uh, vaccines to the Palestinians so that they can at least vaccinate healthcare workers. And also now Russia is sending the Palestinians some um, Sputnik V uh, vaccines, which actually, you know, a study came out showing that that uh, was more effective I, than you might have guessed. But uh, Sputnik Sputnik Five would be my vaccine of choice if it wasn't Sputnik Five. In other words, it's an old style vaccine. It's high, highly efficacious, uh, but it's made by the Russians. I don't trust the Russians. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this study. It was in Lancet, very respected yeah. uh, periodical that showed ninety two percent efficacy. Some people said it didn't have. Uh, as much information about adverse effects or something yeah. as you would have liked, yeah. but yeah. anyway, but it's out there. To get back to that, the, the controversial part of what you're saying, you 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 suggested, and maybe this never comes up. There's a clinic; it's giving out vaccines. Two people shows up. Two people show up. They say you're Jewish, you get the vaccine. You're Palestinian, you don't get the vaccine. Well, I didn't like, say that because that's not the case. I mean, the Palestinians can't even show up. I mean, the point is the vaccines. All the all the vaccines that Israel distributes on the West Bank go to the settlers. That's my point. Okay, and they, and there's like and and they are Jewish. I will say, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting. There are Palestinians who work in the settlements, and I don't think they're getting any. So so they're they're probably like right there, and I think they're. I don't think there are nearly as many who work. Well, that in the would be my situation. So you, yeah. So um, okay, that that seems almost unthinkably bad, but. 
if you well, say so. Well, it's just, I mean, they those are their citizens. That's the way they look at it. You know, it's like, um, so there's no real analog within the United States to compare it to. Right. Well, sure. I don't want to get into it, but you could say uh, illegal immigrants are the analog. Well, you could, and I think that would be pretty bad. I agree. Okay, good. Then we're on the same page. They just denied them COVID relief, but I don't think you should deny them. I mean, you could even say people with green cards are in a different category. You could say a lot of things. I guess. But, um, There's a lot of categories. There are um, a lot of categories. I'm glad we're not coarse and reductive. I'm, uh, I got more to say about him. Uh, uh did, did so we, how long were we doing this? Are we up oh, over wow. an hour, Mickey? Over an hour. Did we talk about the woman who gave money to APAC? I think we did last week, did we? We I think so. I, I, I it was something I was only vaguely aware of and hadn't really clicked on. And uh remind me it's uh oh so she's David, in the Biden David, administration. A David Cor uh, a David Corn story in Mother Jones. Yeah. This 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 uh expert on cybersecurity, I think, who happens to be rich. Her fa We did talk about it. Her family foundation yep. gave money to APAC, and uh, she forced, the family forced uh, NBC to retract the story. And it's, it's insane. I'm not, sure we, I mean, I'm not sure we said that. Did that happen since last week? No. Hmm. And this week what happened is the NBC reporter said, of course it's a good story. What are the, <laughs> I stand by my story. So um, it's... Uh, it, it's become sort of a phony retraction. In other words, yes, yes, Ms. Newberg, we retracted it, but we all stand behind it. Um, mm -hmm. But the point is, giving money to APEC should be, is a legitimate grounds for worrying about, is somebody too influenced by pro-Israel policy? Just the same way giving to any other, like, pro-Irish group or pro-somebody else group, uh, is, you know, you can always question whether there's a conflict of interest there. And you can dispel the conflict of interest, but uh, it, it, it's a totally legit story. I don't uh, know. It sounds like a trope to me, Mickey. You're avoiding this trope, Bob. You Normally, you would bite on this trope. I mean, I honestly, this particular thing, I mean, I, I do think uh, there should be more discussion in, in general, um, you know, about Israel's influence on our foreign policy. But uh, this particular thing, it's like, I don't know. It just doesn't. It's just like there's all kinds of the fact that someone in the Biden administration is has a family foundation that donated to a particular. I, I don't know. I, I, I it don't was a lot. It, it was a lot of money. It doesn't bother you if Neera Tannen turns over her editorial policy over to APAC. Neera Tannen would. Neera Tannen has. I mean, we've talked about okay. it. She did. <laughs> she literally did at the when she was at the Center for American Progress. Um, She literally did that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, now we're talking. Okay. But we we talked about this in the pair room before, did we? No, we can revisit it if we didn't. But I think we did. We did. No, I no, just no, oh, and speaking of that, speaking of someone who was at New America Foundation at the time, Matt does. Uh, uh, one thing I want to talk about in the pair room is the 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 Free Beacons uh, totally sleazy hit job on him because it has been reported that he may go into into uh, Biden's. Uh, State Department. I thought it was reported that he did. He will go into Biden's State Department. Uh, I don't think it's certain. And Free Beacon is trying to derail it. I, I just want to talk a little about Free Beacon. It is such a, 
Well, I will talk a little about Free Beacon and the Parrot Room. Um, they had a good article recently. I forget what it was. Yeah, well, let me know when you find it. The um, What's well, on my Twitter feed? I'll let you know in the Parrot Room. Also in the Parrot Room, I want to bring you up to date on my listening to uh, The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Uh, I've, I've, I've listened to another several hours of it, and I don't see a whole lot of additional parallels with the current moment, but but some either parallels or contrasts. Um, and uh, going to talk about okay Hitchens. Oh, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden book. You heard about that? You excited? There are all these interesting job opportunities. Hunter Biden gets to publish his book and have a show of his artwork. Uh, Emhoff's daughter gets a modeling contract. It's it's so heartening. It is. That, that people are willing to employ these people. Because you worry and, about these people. Yeah. We worry about them. Uh, I, and Meanwhile... I, I, I'm dying to read about Hunter Biden's but you, struggle. You, you forgot to say, Mickey, wait a second. Simon & Schuster cancels Josh Hawley's book and gives $2 million to Hunter Biden? Well, Hunter Biden's commercial prospects are a lot bigger, better than Josh Hawley writing yeah, about any trust. Yeah, but it wasn't a two million dollar uh, contract with Josh Hawley to begin with. Probably, I, I don't think they should have canceled it. But, but um, no, I don't. I don't engage in that sort of cheap rhetoric, Bob. You know me. So I don't know. Am I going to? That would be my... coarse. That would be coarse and reductive. And if we run out of time in the parrot room, I will be uh, doing a short soliloquy about my comorbidity. Um, not so short, actually. We'll have to. Well, we will have to have spare time because it, it's kind of a long and, and interesting story. If you're me, okay. Um, um what else? Well, there's oh. Game GameStop, but there's there's always more uh, to that, say that's about GameStop. Last, that's last week, and I I haven't. I'm not up on my reading on GameStop, so. Uh, yeah, the stock is not doing well. I can tell you that. Don't don't. Don't buy it. It's, well, now's a good time to buy it. It's in, it's uh, it I don't think it's returned to its sub ten dollar level yet. Buy on the it dip as of yesterday. Yeah, well, it's got more I, to dip. I think. I love the story about how uh, the clean air caused by the lack of driving is is uh, is enhan- is making global warming worse because the particulates emitted from exhausts of vehicles actually reflect back some of the sun's rays and oh, shit. reduce global warming in the long in the long run supposedly the fossil less fossil fuels outweighs this but in the short run the planet is getting hotter because we're driving less so we all have to go out and drive our gas guzzlers and, and with then the emissions hope- with the emissions controls removed in order to stop this rise in temperature and then hope there's a miracle technological cure for global warming in between the time when the particles do right. their good work and the fossil fuels right. do their bad work or something. And by the way, in the parrot room, I may ask you about the uh, the electric Mustang. And I, and I, I have I, high hopes for the electric Mustang. It just, I, uh, I just heard a review of it by, by people who had driven it. It's too big for me, but uh, they liked it, right? Uh, no? It is like big. It. It's the – how do you finish that? It's the what that's gotten – never mind. So, okay, so we should go. It's been more than an hour, uh, and we should promote ourselves. We should beg people to uh, smash the like button if they're still with us and they're still on YouTube. Uh, we should we we should beg people to rate and review The Right Show, which I've spent more than a decade failing to ask people to do. So I think we've uh-huh. got a lot of lost time to make up for, folks. I wouldn't... Um, 
I wouldn't wait another moment. Um, um. You are Cal's... Oh, newsletters. Yours is Cal's Files. Mine is non-zero. It was a paid version. It's been coming out three times a week for two consecutive weeks. I... Uh, I haven't written anything in more than a month, and I'm still gaining subscribers. So I don't think I think yeah, probably then, they're subscribing because they don't want me to write anything. So if I well, just keep weird, not writing anything, I'll I'll get more and more subscribers. The weird thing about a newsletter is uh, the only time you lose subscribers is when you send out an issue of a newsletter. That's because it reminds people that that yeah. you exist, and they and, say, "Well, that's I'm when they see this asshole." That's when they see the unsubscribe link. <laughs> it's one of the ironies um, of the newsletter. One of the many charming ironies newsletter nobody, business. Nobody has nobody has uh, done the obvious thing, which is if you pay me money, I will write less. Um, um that's, that's a good. That's a good business model. That that uh, uh, my law school roommate had this idea about Paul McCartney, where you have a reverse record store. If you go and pay them five dollars, it'll they'll bribe Paul McCartney into not making a record this year. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're already writing nothing in your newsletter, you should just threaten to start writing stuff. That may happen. You never know what I'm going to say. Could happen. Um, okay. So, are we done promoting? Oh, Kaus Mickey is your Twitter handle. Robert Writer is my Twitter handle. Have we exhausted the possibilities? I, I think you're also in the pad room. You're going to talk about your plane ride with John Kerry again, since plane rides with John Kerry have become somehow in the news. You know, it's funny. I should have dug up. I took a picture of, but it's a long. I'll tell you about my 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 plane ride with John. I think I've already. You already have, but not. But no, not, this something this I have. This is a new wrinkle. This, this is a new wrinkle. This is a new. This is a new he 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 took a private plane to, I guess Reykjavik. What other city is there in Iceland to get to do some environment global warming thing? And people said, "Ha ha, he's taking a wasteful private plane." Instead of going commercial, and he said, "Well, if you're in my position, there's really no alternative." And yet, I have been on commercial flights with him twice, twice. Once That's I'm the point. sitting next okay. to him, okay. and I will tell these are fascinating stories. <laughs> you almost, you almost uh, plunge the Mid East into turmoil, I believe. I, uh, no, on the contrary, just if he had okay. listened to me, he could have saved himself a lot of time when he became Secretary okay. of State several years okay. after okay. he failed to heed what I had told him about Israel. We'll okay. get into all that. Um, okay, so this is this is it, and it's on to the parrot room? Uh, yes. Uh, hang on. Let where me is the parrot, Mickey? Here's the parrot. Just to give people a taste. Yeah? See ya, Bob. There's that and so much else that awaits you if you go to patreon.com slash pair room. Okay, so Mickey, we will see you there. Okay.